Let's check in live with the Indians' run differential after battling that juggernaut Orioles team. Oh my god. I am never gonna financially recover from this. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two at the Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Well, it's probably what, a little over a year ago, everyone sat down to watch Tiger King as we couldn't go anywhere. And that Indian series against the Orioles kind of reminded me of Tiger King, where it starts out and you're fascinated and things take some wild twists and turns, but by the end, it's a complete train wreck. Hello, my cats and kittens. Man, that seems like a long time ago. We were all in a pretty dark place back then. Uh, we've come a long way. For sure. <laughs> Things have, have certainly evolved in all of our lives, and we've adapted to new realities and things that we never thought we would have to. Maybe like pitchers in the near future having to adapt the way they throw balls. We'll get to that coming up in a little bit, but welcome to the Selby is Godcast. I'm TJ Zuppi. He is Zach Meisel. You can find us on Twitter at TJ Zuppi, at Zach Meisel, at Selby is Godcast. You can find us on Instagram and also on Patreon if you'd like additional episodes of this show. I know a lot of people consume this within a day of posting it. Pretty much half our audience listens to it right off the bat, right off the 24-hour period. So what are you guys doing? You're missing additional content. Come join us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast, where Thomas, Brian, Kip 22, I don't think that's actually Jason Kipnis. Emma ah. and have all come to join the party. Jason Kipnis subscribes. That's pretty cool. Sure, if you want to throw it out there. I, I can't confirm nor deny that that's actually Jason Kipnis. What is up? So you've recovered from a wild weekend in Baltimore. How was it? Um, I have a mask tan, <laughs> which is not something I uh, ever thought about until now. Um, for some reason they require you to wear a mask outdoors at the ballpark, even though it's full capacity and restrictions are removed. It's, I don't know. I'm not going to try to figure out what every state and city and country is doing. Um, also that press box is wide open. That's what I mean. Yeah. And so I'm not going to sit here and bore our listeners by complaining about 95 degrees and humidity and trying to write a story and, avoid foul balls um, while also doesn't seem like you did that so well. Yeah. I mean, I've, so I've never caught a foul ball in well, 31 years of life, 11 years of covering baseball. And I mean, I've like, I've picked one up that landed in the press box, but I've never, never been that person who makes the catch and everyone in your section cheers or you ditch the popcorn to snag the line drive. Like, I've always wanted that moment of glory and I had it like a foul. So the press box is behind home plate. It's open air and it's like just a tick higher than the section behind home plate. So you're in, you know, when they foul it back and it's high enough to go over the net, you're in the danger zone and you can't really spend much time looking down at your laptop. So, I had the perfect situation where this this foul ball comes back to me and it's 
I mean, it's a screamer and it was perfect because it was slightly to my right. So it was, I didn't have to worry about protecting the laptop. That's always what makes this so tricky is you're trying to protect, protect your livelihood while also snagging the baseball. And I mean, we've, it's, it's like a fielder trying to, uh, maybe turn the double play before the ball gets to them. And we can talk about the Indians atrocious defense in a minute. Um, but I mean, I, I couldn't have placed this better because it was like, I had to like reach forward a little bit, but not too much to where I'm like hanging out of the press box. And it hit me directly in the hands. My right middle finger is still pretty swollen and really stiff. And I just, I dropped it and it fell into the section beneath me. And then I had a drunk heckler coming at me and making fun of me. And I, I just, I was, I actually wanted the crowd to boo me because I deserved it. I don't think they really cared. Um, probably because the game was out of hand at that point and it was 95 degrees and humid and um, no one had the energy. But I mean, it was, I will never have a better opportunity than that. And I'm just humiliated and frustrated and, yeah, I just I needed to get all that out. Thank you. Well, let's be honest here. There's a reason why the players are out there and were up here. <laughs> I mean, if I had a glove, I would have snagged it for sure. Of but course you would have. Those things come in hot, man. They I do. don't remember might have been maybe Yu Chang was at the plate. Um and he's been he's been hitting the ball hard the last week, so you know, I, I don't know what the exit velocity was on it, but I'm going to say like 180 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, there's no one that double check that. Savant used to put up foul ball exit velocities, but I don't think they put those on there anymore. So no one can claim that you're wrong. That would be some sort of record, I would imagine, on a foul ball. But you can just claim. And then as the years progress, you could just raise it slightly every year. I mean, we saw our buddy throw 149 miles an hour <laughs> on the, the speed pitch game at progressive field. So yeah. Who's to say that that was a miscalculation. Completely, that's what the radar gun said. Completely legit. Trust the science. That's the theme here. All right. So the Indians had a tough weekend in Baltimore. It didn't seem it was going to be that way on Saturday. They had lost the game on Friday, but it was a one run loss. The offense didn't show up. Didn't know how much of that was just because they had two off days in a row. Uh, maybe a little bit sluggish coming off to start the series, but they were in position to still emerge with a series victory on Sunday, and then that happened. So I got to ask you, WTF was that? Because we see we see <laughs> offenses they they can they say hitting is contagious. I don't truly know if it is or not. Or not. I got to imagine probably not. It's just the level of competition that you're facing. But there are days where it's like. It's almost a supernatural occurrence. <laughs> All the planets are aligned and an offense just takes off and, and has hit after hit after hit. I looked up in the third, fourth inning when I texted you. At that point, Sam Hentges had given up his ninth hit. Quantrill had given up a ton of hits. Defense didn't help either. Offense was clicking for Baltimore. That was a rough day. Yeah, so I think... The thing about hitting being contagious is that we oversimplify it and it becomes a cliche and we don't know what it means because if you really boil it down, it's like, okay, once when a hitter comes up to the plate with the bases loaded and it's seven to one, there's no pressure. All the pressure's on the pitcher. So it makes it easier to hit. So because the guys before you got hits, 
it makes it easier for you to hit. I think that's what we mean when we say hitting is contagious. And that's why I think there, there's some truth behind it. Um, it, it it's a lot easier to hit when you're up well, 17 to three than if it's one to one in the ninth and you're facing a, the other team's best reliever and you know, you need to deliver. So I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not a person to put much stock into one game. I, I think my takeaways are, I like Cal Quantrill. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know what he needs to do to be a guy. And Sam Hentges should be in AAA, not just because of yesterday, but just because of he's, he's never pitched there. And he had a year off and he was, he had a rough year in 2019 at AA. I just don't think he's ready and he's got some things he can refine, but I, I'm not, I'm not putting a ton of stock into one game. Just like, if they get no hit, I mean, we know the offense is not good. Like that, 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 there doesn't need to be some referendum. My question to you is: If you're a team, would you rather get no hit but lose two nothing, or lose eighteen to five to the Orioles? <laughs> I think you would prefer to lose eighteen to five to the Orioles. You can turn the page on that pretty quickly. I mean, not, that's more not rare. Many <laughs> in today's environment, maybe. Uh, that's, they hadn't allowed 18 runs since 2006. I mean, we do still also talk in about Baltimore. the 26 to nothing back-to-back games a couple of years ago in Baltimore mm-hmm. that actually became a, a little bit of a launching off point for the team. Like, they really turned it around. The run differential got a lot better after that happened. So maybe something similar happens here. I don't know. That feels like it's grasping at straws. Yeah, I still think there's more embarrassment with the no-hitter because I don't know how much time was devoted on Sports Talk Radio this morning to truly breaking down a loss to the a series loss to the Orioles compared to all of the, the narratives that emerge whenever a team gets no-hit, especially twice in one season. So, yeah, that's, that's good. I mean, that's close. I give you credit. That That's a tough one to decide between. Although we were talking about an offense, you said they're bad. That was a Bobby Bradley less offense that you were saying was bad. This is this is a different animal now. Bobby Bradley is here. Jake Bowers is gone. And the thing that we had talked about so much has finally arrived. It's kind of you, you get those build up, you get the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, your wife had just finished all the Marvel movies. Well, up to endgame, right? Isn't there a giant letdown for her? You go through this entire story arc and then I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I guess probably have seen it at this point, but I won't say anything other than you get the culmination of all the events that the movie leads up to that point, And then what, where do you go from there? That's the challenge for uh, a cinematic universe. How do you keep the story going after you have this giant letdown? How do we can keep this podcast rolling after we finally have talked about Bradley and Bowers <laughs> for what seems like years, but it's been more months. And now we have the answer there. What do we talk about now? Well, I really, I was interested by what Bradley said because someone asked him, you know, is there a lot of pressure to come up now because it's your opportunity? And he said, no, it's the opposite. He said, like, I know first base is is mine and like they want to see me play and it's my time to shine. And, you know, I hadn't really thought a lot about the fact that these two guys knew they were in a competition with each other, only each other, and there was only one spot. So it's human nature to obviously stress about what you're doing yourself, but also to look at what the other guy's doing. It's impossible not to. And it's probably a little awkward between the two during spring training. 
And I'm not saying that Bobby Bradley's sitting there in Columbus, like with a voodoo doll and sticking a, a pin in Jake Bauer's <laughs> hands so that he can't hit the ball hard. Well, it would explain all of the bad luck that Bauer's had. But I think it's interesting because he, and I don't want to speak for him, but I think in his mind, Bowers is gone. So he doesn't have to worry about that competition. I mean, it's not to say that he can just coast and first base is his for the next five years, but he doesn't have to worry about, you know, if I don't get a hit today, am I going to get sent down? Like he knows he has some time to work with because if they gave Bobby or Jake Bowers 55 games, they can certainly give Bobby Bradley at least that amount of time. And he's also confident in his abilities. I mean, I I know his numbers, people were looking at the AAA numbers and saying, oh, great. Like it's, first of all, it's the same people who wanted Bobby Bradley on the opening day roster. Like some of them were still pissed that he got called up because he was hitting 198 or something like that. It's like, come on, he can't have it both ways. And it doesn't matter to me what he did at AAA. Like he's proven he can hit AAA pitching. He's been there for three years. We need to see him in the major leagues to see what he can do. And I, I look, it wouldn't shock me if Jake Bowers went somewhere else and hit a little bit better. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. I think if you're the Indians, you can comfortably say you gave him enough opportunities. And also y- you can look inward and say, why didn't it work? And are we to blame? Because I think that's the thing that gets lost with with all these examples. When if you talk about Gio Urshela, or I mean, look look at what Eric Haas is doing in Detroit, or Jesus Aguilar, and you can say, I mean, those are all different cases. I think sometimes people want to pin things on the Indians that, like the Jesus Aguilar thing, I'll never understand. You had Carlos Santana and Edwin Encarnacion. Did you want Jesus Aguilar to play third base? I mean, what's going? What do you want there? But you can look inward and say. You know, how much of this was Jake Bowers? How much of this was the environment in which he couldn't succeed? And what can they do differently? I mean, this is what I wrote 4,000 words about a month ago. Just the the hitting environment and the hitting development program. And is it working? What tweaks can you make? What can you learn from the failed Jake Bowers experiment? I think that's important because then if the same thing happens to Bobby Bradley, I mean, then what are you going to do? So it'll be interesting. And from just from the, the team standpoint right now, Jose Ramirez is the only power threat. I mean, Eddie Rosario like doesn't hit home runs anymore. Harold Ramirez hits the ball hard as hell, but he's got to get it airborne a little bit more often. Um, they don't really have like home, like Cesar Hernandez is second on the team in home runs among those not on the injured list. So Bobby Bradley, just being a threat to hit one out is a huge upgrade. And I mean, if he, he looks like he's in good shape, I asked him yesterday, I said, I mean, it's not just a home run. You hit an opposite field home run off a lefty. And he said, that's when I'm going good. So he's already doing that 24 hours into his big league stint. That's a good sign. We'll have to give a shout out to JT rock 21 who said Bradley's first at back since coming back, he hits the ball harder than Bowers had all season. And he notes the 114 mile per hour double that he had. And it's true. If you look at Jake Bowers, his max exit velocity this year was 110, which is not awful. It's still above average, but not 114. Now, you're not going to learn everything you need to know in one at-bat, but it does speak to something we talked about. I mean, about. we might have. <laughs> well, it does speak to something we talked about with Bradley, and I, I've tried to articulate as best as I can. You're going to have 
he's another one sort of like Fran Mel Reyes that I picture having some boom and bust stretches. We saw one of the bust stretches at AAA. The thing that I caution anyone to get too caught up in any of that is we're still talking about a month worth of action. You got to remember they started late in the minor leagues. So while you may be approaching or to the one third mark in this season, in, in the majors, you're nowhere near that much of a sample size of AAA. So I don't want to get too caught up in that. You're right. You have enough sample size there at AAA to know what he has been in the past. I don't think anybody believes that he's as bad as he was down there at AAA. And so what, you just throw away anything that he did in spring training or at the alternate site leading up to that? That doesn't make much sense. You, you sort of know what the profile is. It's just, can he improve upon that? Can he find any consistency? But to come back to the point... Yes, in one at-bat, it's 114, and that doesn't make or break a career. But it does speak to the threat level, as you noted, that he can possess and that you didn't – I don't know that there are many games, even the game where Bowers had – he hit for the cycle in 2019. I don't know too many days where Jake Bowers can carry an offense. But I think there are some days and some stretches and maybe some weak periods where Bobby Bradley can just go nuclear hot. And when you don't have a lot of other power threats, guys are going to have a ton of extra base hits. It doesn't mean you can't succeed offensively, but I think there is something to having a different sort of profile in there that that can carry you, that can become a, a threat for opposing pitchers, someone that they have to look at and say, can't make a mistake to this guy because he can, he can hurt me. He can hit a three-run bomb easily. And when there's just a little additional pressure that you have to be perfect with your pitches, maybe that leads to more mistakes. That's unquantifiable, but it is something that I think you can see within an offense um, help you through some stretches. But I think there are going to be times where we saw, like just what happened at AAA, where he's going to go ice cold, and you're going to get next to nothing from that lineup spot. But I'll focus on that WRC plus number that you've written about at first base, worse than the majors by a long shot. And if you're hovering around a 40, which is where they're at when they made this move at first base and your WRC plus. Remember, 100 is league average. So that's 60% worse than the league average hitter at first base, the position that throughout the history of baseball, you're supposed to be getting power numbers and creating runs. That's not happening at first base by a mile, several miles for this team. Imagine if you could get something closer to league average at what – how many positions could a team claim that they could in- improve by 60 percentage points in their WRC plus by just getting to average? We've talked about turning F's into C's, but this, I mean, this was below F. It, like, can you go worse than failing? Because that's what that position was. And if they can get just a little bit closer to league average production from Bobby Bradley and whoever else is getting at bats at first base for the rest of the year, Man, does that improve the offense drastically. And that's not to even say that he can't be better than that. But we'll see. I'm glad that he's finally getting this opportunity, though, because this is something we've been screaming about for weeks. I think Jake Bowers had given you the answer, and finally, thank goodness, they listened and they've acted. What's your guess? Does a team claim him? And and if so, pick a team. I don't know. I think there are probably some some savvy clubs that would look below the surface and say that he's still hovering around a league average uh, expected weighted on base average and say, yeah, maybe we can get more out of him. I mean, 
still young-ish, still draws walks, I would think that there's some team out there that would give him a shot that is near the bottom of the standings and can afford to just let him go play some more. But I don't know who yeah. that is. I mean, I, I Pittsburgh's always like a contender for something like this just because they have yeah. no major league talent. Um, but they've got a first baseman. That's that's the one thing they actually do have. Yeah, uh, Seattle maybe they don't really have a first baseman, and they have absolutely no offense. And I was wondering Detroit maybe sick Bowers a first base, and then you could move Miguel Cabrera to a full time yeah. DH role. And the, t- the tough thing with that is they've got scope there. They've got. Willie Castro, who's turned it on just a little bit here recently. Yeah, but they would probably want to trade scope at the deadline anyway. So I would you can just think mix and so. match. Right now, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe in the future, you're right. I think they would still have to be taking at bats away from someone that is sort of in a similar Jake Bowers position for them, where they're trying to figure out whether they're in any good or not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that there would be somebody willing to give him a shot. Like, I would be. I would probably be surprised if he squeaked through waivers and somehow they could send him to AAA and he still was part of the organization. But I, I don't know. I mean, teams. I'm going to say the Mariners are grasping for offense anywhere. That makes as much sense as anything else. And if I'm correct, then everybody who I owe a beer to owes <laughs> me one back. We're even. <laughs> don't you have to get their input on that and see if they actually are willing to agree to that deal? No. Nothing. All no. right. All right. Yeah, so it's it's just kind of like the same thing with with Harold Ramirez that we talked about on Patreon. Uh, he 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 now gets the chance to show us what he is. We don't have to guess at what he is anymore because he's earned the playing time and he's playing every day. So you know, we can say that Harold Ramirez might be projected as more of like a fourth outfielder, but he's got the chance to go tell us what he is. We don't have to wonder. It's the same thing with Bobby Bradley. I'm tired of sitting here wondering what he can be and if he could equal Bowers. And if he gets there in a different way, it actually might help this offense because they don't have a ton of power threats in there right now. But he can just go play now and he can show us whether or not that profile works or doesn't work. It's the same thing. I'm okay with with Bradley Zimmer getting more opportunities right now. It might result in more of what we saw the other day when he strikes out did he go 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts? Tough day for him, but you're also seeing that he can impact the game, still with his speed, still with his defense. Those are still tangible parts of his toolbox. I, 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 can, I am so very glad when these guys get their opportunities because you need to clear the clutter, the clutter. And I don't know if they're clutter. Or I don't know if these are things you want to hold on to. It's like an episode of Hoarders right now, and I want to see what I can throw out in the dumpster. Well, that's harsh. I don't feel like I should say that. But I want to see what I can get rid of and what I can comfortably hold on to and, and believe this is something of value. If this is Hoarders, then Bradley Zimmer is like one of those old TVs with the big antenna and the huge knobs. <laughs> um, that's vintage. I think someone might actually want that. So you mentioned Harold Ramirez, and I know we talked about him at length last week, but I did want to mention, like, if you, he, because he's so intriguing, and I was talking to a few people with the team about him over the weekend who were saying, like, you know, this guy is just, like, dumped into your lap in spring training. You know nothing about him. And then what? And they were like, well, he goes into the batting cage, and everything just, like, every baseball he hit, steam rose from it because this guy – he doesn't hit anything softly. And if you ignored the name and ignored what his actual stats are, and his actual stats are fine. They've been 
mean, he's legitimately been the Indians' second best hitter. I think if you second best healthy hitter, but if you just looked at his metrics, like his hard hit rate, 55.3%. There's only a few players in baseball who hit the ball hard more often. Like Framil Reyes is always in like the 97th percentile. And Harold Ramirez actually with, with his game on Sunday, um, eclipsed him in that expected batting average, 335 expected slugging percentage, 537. His overall exit velocity, 94 miles an hour. I mean, like you would think this guy, he doesn't strike out either. That's what's crazy. Like Giancarlo Stanton is always at the top of the leaderboard in hard hit percentage and max exit velocity. We know what he can do. He's this monster. He looks like he's from another planet and he hits the ball insanely hard, harder than anybody else. And with that, there's a lot of swing and miss. He strikes out a lot. Harold Ramirez's strikeout rate is like one of the best in the league. So if you looked at that, like, I think I, it looks like I'm looking at Jose Ramirez's profile or like someone of that caliber. So I'm really, really intrigued to see what this looks like by the end of the season, because you're right. I mean, I, I was like interested because he's also really fast. Like he's got some tools and I was surprised they called him up when they did. Cause I thought they'd want to see him for a little bit longer at AAA, get a better idea of who he is and you know, and then he started hitting a little bit, and I'm like, oh, like this guy seems like a really good fourth outfielder. And now, like, I'm on board. The guy hits the ball so hard every time. He can hit the ball the other way. He doesn't strike out. Like, he has every tool you would want. And I'm really curious to see if his stats start matching the expected stats <laughs> or coming anywhere close to them. And, you know, the more he plays, the more he seems to, like, really have a grasp for what he wants to do. I think... They've been really impressed, and I don't think uh, it's been a small sample. I mean, let's let's get that out there. He's got 104 plate appearances, but like, I think the Indians are becoming more and more impressed. Like, there's a reason he's hitting fourth, and I know this lineup is not very good, and Framil Reyes is not in it, but like, <laughs> they he's deserving of it. I mean, he's he's been fantastic. Yeah. So what is that a success now for the, <laughs> the coaches? Like, oh, hey, we hey we got the, we got him to do this. We got hey, look at well, him. But it's that's the thing too is I know we're in a bubble, and I know it's totally fair to criticize this organization for their hitting development. They deserve it. Like every team struggles with this, and the Indians struggle with it profoundly. They have not developed hitters. They've had a number of early draft pick busts for whatever reasons. But you also have to recognize, like. They scooped up Harold Ramirez, and I'm sure the Marlins are kicking themselves right now saying, damn it, how do we let that guy get away? So it goes both ways. You're right about the small sample size. Neither one of us knows enough about him. The Indians certainly don't know enough about him to say what he's going to be moving forward in his career. But as I've said, he just needs to play well enough that he continues to just go out there and show us what he is. Um, There are certain things in his profile that remind me of conversations we had about to make this all kind of come full circle as we wrap up the Jake Powers conversation, Yandy Diaz, who shout out to Yandy, finally smoked his first home run of the season. He's like back to being the ground ball worm burner kind of hitter that he's been for so long. And I'm sure that's maddening for anybody that watches the Rays daily because you take the walks and you like that he's still an above average hitter despite not hitting for really any. But before the home run, I think he had a slugging percentage. 292 300 yeah that's unbelievable all right so that sort of reminds me of the conversation that we had about yandi when i i look at harold ramirez because he hits the ball hard consistently 
the hard hit percentage is what you want to look at because it's not just about average exit velocity, but how consistently do you hit the ball 95 miles per hour or harder? And right now, as you said, he's among the best in the league. The max exit velocity at 114.5, those were the things that you were looking at initially when you saw a guy with the sprint speed nearing the 90th percentile, which is probably sort of surprising to some people. When you look at him, you don't think he's going to be super fast, but to this point, he's been it's pretty fast. It's that Jose Ramirez effect. Yeah, well, and not only swinging with max uh, effort, but seemingly kind of hustling with that sort of, of that uh, sort of effort too. So there's something about him though, that because of that speed, there's a lot of guys that you look at hitting the ball hard and they hit the ball hard on the ground and you say, Oh, just get that up in the air. You know, find that, that 28 degree launch angle that everyone screams about uh, because that's where you're going to create your doubles and your home runs. And I think that's, you know, fair to, to say with him, but the speed is part of why he would run a, a higher batting average than you might expect. If you're hustling, if you're putting pressure on the defense, if you can get down the line, you can generate a few more extra or a few more base hits by just legging out some infield singles. I don't think the grounders are wasted on him. The one thing that I I would get a little nervous about changing him too drastically is he is someone that is super aggressive at the plate and he doesn't strike out. And that probably that's probably why he he doesn't generate that that launch angle that creates the the drives and the home runs because we do focus a lot on launch angle, but as I've said before and has been stressed by many, launch angle probably comes more from just knowing which pitches you can drive and focusing those pitches into a particular zone. You want to funnel the pitches into a particular zone, maybe spoil off the ones that you don't want to hit but you got to fight them off with two strikes and you, you force the pitcher to get him into the zone that you want so that you can drive that. I don't know that his profile might work for that because I don't know if he's patient enough to be able to funnel the pitches, but I would worry that if he, if he changed too drastically, you don't want him to lose that element that makes him special right now. And for him, it's hitting the ball hard and not striking out. I am less focused on him trying to get the ball lofted in the air as often because I, I don't know what that would do to him as a hitter. But I do think if you could just get a few more of those balls that are on the ground into that line drive bucket, you're thinking like that 10 degree launch angle, then he becomes even more dangerous. And this profile gets even more fun. It's already fun the way that he's doing things. I mean, you'll certainly take that if he can continue to be an above average hitter. In today's game, that's great. And especially with where the Indians outfield has been, that's tremendous. But I think, man, he is... He is a small, a very small tweak away from being really a pleasant surprise. And I'm interested to see where this goes. So the Indians are in the top third of the league in strikeout percentage. We already, we've talked about this, like they're a pretty good contact team. They don't strike out a ton and, you know, it hasn't paid dividends yet, but it is also, I mean, if they weren't that the offense would be even worse, which is hard to wrap your head around. But this is also like a, it's something that they're putting emphasis on. And we've talked about that too. I wrote about that at length where, you know, Owen Miller, I know there's been no evidence of this so far, but he's a contact guy, a guy who doesn't strike out a ton and slaps line drives, doubles all over the place. And I maybe we'll see that. That has not played out yeah, so far. Maybe we'll see that eventually, but you, you match that with Harold Ramirez who hits the ball, just hits rockets everywhere. And, doesn't strike out and Jose Ramirez who 
has a really good strikeout rate and Josh Naylor, who historically has been a really good contact guy and um, doesn't strike out a ton. Like you're seeing the seeds have been planted here. I mean, Tyler Freeman is going to be this club's leadoff hitter in two years, maybe sooner. He's hitting 351, I think, at, at double A, and it's like he's he needs to be hitting triple A pitching because he has nothing to prove there. Um, he can master that. But it's just the type of profile that they've been looking for. And it's just so interesting because like you could see a day where you have like Freeman and Miller and Ramirez and um Naylor and Harold Ramirez, and it's like, I mean, we're talking about two thirds of the lineup that like rarely strikes out and makes a ton of contact and like hits the ball hard and like I mean, if, if those guys blossom and I'm, I'm, this is a pipe dream for Indians fans and like, it's never this seamless and we're talking way down the road and who even knows if Harold Ramirez will still be good. Who even knows if the sun will have exploded by then and we'll all be dead. Like so much can change, but you're seeing what their dreams are and the profiles they're looking for and the type of lineup that they want to construct. And I know not everybody fits into that neat little example. Bobby Bradley is the opposite of that. Framo Reyes is the opposite of that. But in today's game where everybody strikes out all the time and you're just looking for home runs because it's really difficult to string together some hits, they're trying to zig when everyone else is zagging. So I don't know if it'll work. It hasn't worked yet. But Harold Ramirez is an example of a guy that fits the profile they covet. And so far, so good on that end. And we might see more of a leaning into contact meaning something in the near future. Maybe that happens in the next several years when baseball makes some changes to perhaps incentivize hitters to put the ball in play. I think that's the one thing that gets missed when we have this conversation about guys striking out. Guys strike out because there's just so very little to be gained from putting the ball in play right now. The defenses are so optimized to catch where you hit the ball um, and, and now they've taken away your home runs. <laughs> so it's like, you know, now you have to really try to get those home runs. You really have to load up and the pitches are just unbelievable right now. And perhaps the reason for that is because everybody's cheating. I mean, realistically, that might be the case that we find <laughs> out in the next day with these pitchers. The, this was something that Trevor Bauer talked about several years ago and everyone kind of rolled their eyes at him, but he was pretty dead on on, on, on this, and I think even since he talked about it, it's, it has exploded, maybe even with Trevor himself leading the charge. Can Start. you do us all a favor and explain <sighs> Explain it to me like I'm five? Uh, what exactly – can you explain like what the sticky substances do, why the spin rate matters, what effect that has? Sure. And maybe sh- shed some light on like why – I mean I have said that I guess – 75% of pitchers are using stuff and like, why is it more prevalent? Because I think there's a direct tie here to the data becoming more digestible and, and available. Well, there are certainly many more people that have written about this and know so much more than me, but I can try to give you as best as I understand it. So spin rate matters because that's what helps the movement on your pitches, particularly if you can get, uh, the right sort of spin on a four-seam fastball. It helps with the ride. It helps it stay higher. It leads to more swing and miss, typically. Um, it might lead to more bite on your, your breaking ball if you know how to optimize your spin. So spin is important, um, and we've seen pitchers chase it. And 
you know, I remember having a conversation with Trevor Bauer many years ago, and I asked him, how, how do you increase spin? And he said, we don't really know. Uh, you can increase it by throwing harder. That's one way to increase your spin. But to increase it without in- really impacting your, your throwing velocity too much kind of remained a mystery until Trevor started talking about sticky substances, whether it was pine tar or different concoctions. And now uh, there's the, what is it, spider tack? Uh, seems to be a hot button thing, but you're just looking for something that helps you grip the baseball better. And by, by utilizing these different things, they've done studies. Even our, our pal, Travis Sochik has written about this where different substances and based on how sticky it is can increase your spin rate. And we're seeing this across baseball with these, these highs in spin rate. I know we haven't tracked it for too long, but this is, this is the highest we've ever seen it across baseball. And why is that? Because probably everybody is going out there with something in their glove, on their uniform, in their hat. There's been accusations across baseball. There's been some accusations about James Karinchek. I remember you and I sitting having a discussion about the Houston Astros after Trevor Bauer first shed light on this. And we sat there looking at pretty much every Astros pitcher. And I think we both of us were pretty convinced on a couple of pitchers. And I was like, oh, well, of course he's doing it. Oh, of course he's doing it. But then I started paying attention to everybody. And I realized over the years, I can't single anyone out because I think everyone might be on some level putting something on their uniform or their glove or wherever the case may be that helps them grip the baseball. And for years, hitters used to say they were okay with it because it helped them keep the ball in the strike zone, kept them from getting hit. Well, now batters are getting drilled (laughs) and... It's not really helping with that, but it's made it impossible for these guys to make contact. So now we have Major League Baseball. It seems like they've gathered all the information that they've been looking for over the first couple of months, and now they're going to crack down on this. And it'll be interesting because it's been a witch hunt to this point, trying to find videos where you're trying to see what they do in between each pitch. And you've got uh, these these zoomed-in videos of Karen Check Every time he goes... Gets a new baseball, goes straight to the hit. To the, so you're, you're examining every pitcher to see what they are doing. And now we're going to get some sort of, of resolution on this, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be absolutely interesting to see what umpires do. Are they going to confiscate gloves and mitts? Are they going to make guys change uniforms? Are guys going to get suspended for this? And more importantly, what is it going to do to league-wide spin rate? And how quickly is this going to lead to maybe some improved offense, more balls put in play, and maybe even a more exciting brand of baseball. I I think this is going to be, the next several weeks are going to be something where we didn't even realize how big of an issue it was until it actually happens. Yeah, the Indians held a team meeting Friday afternoon, a couple hours before the game, just to talk about it. And, I mean, they were aware of the the Karen Check thing that night after the game. I think Carl Willis said, like, uh, yeah, it was brought to my attention later, but during the game, I was kind of focused on the fact that Karen check, um, nearly blew a three run lead in the ninth inning and had the bases loaded with two outs. So, um, it, I, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's difficult because, you know, from the press box or from sitting at home, I mean, honestly sitting at home, you probably have a better vantage point than from the press box. I can't see if there's a little bit of pine tar on the end inside of someone's glove, it's really hard to police this, um, you know, if you're the media or if you're, if you're the league. I mean, it's we're going to see umpires, I guess, just make random checks and and who knows what'll happen. I think the league, in totality, they want this to just be, you know, they're giving teams some 
some time to figure it out here. Some time to, because they're not cracking down immediately, right? They're giving this a week or so, and then then they'll start checking this. So you've got time to figure it out. So it was interesting. James Karinchek comes into the game Saturday just for a couple minutes. And Tito said he wanted to get him some work, but didn't want to overuse him in case they wanted him again on Sunday. And you said, what, his spin rate was the lowest it's been all year? Not just all year of his major league career. So interesting. And it's this is not to single him out. Um, it just so happens that the White Sox broadcast may have caught something there. But I mean, I, I truly like I this is widespread. Well, you you saw for so long, the only way it was ever policed was maybe as if another team complained about it. But if you've got three, four, five, 12 guys on your team that are also doing it, are you going to call out the other team for doing that? It was almost like when Trevor mm-hmm. Bauer first talked about it, it was like, oh, you said the quiet part out loud. You can't say that because there might be guys in, in your own clubhouse that are doing it. So how dare you, you bring this up and, and shed light on this? Yeah, so I am, I'm glad that we can maybe start to put some of the who's doing it, who's not doing it, examining every pitcher behind us. And if it does lead to more balls in play, great. And if this leads to that, I am all for it because the, the brand of baseball that has been increasing the last several years, I don't think it leads to the most entertainment entertaining sport. And I don't, I don't, I don't say that that's the hitter's fault for loading up on home runs. Like I said, it's not incentivized for them to try to put the ball in play, but maybe you take away one of these advantages for these pitchers that are already so freaking good. It just equalizes things a little bit. Yeah, I'm all for it. I, but I was hoping we would reach a point where, you know, because you've seen, was it Yadi Molina who like the baseball just stuck to his <laughs> his uh, chest protector because there was sticky stuff on there. But um, yeah, you got to check I the catchers wanted, too. What if they got some on their shin pads? They're yeah. helping out. I always wanted to see a pitcher not realize he had sticky stuff on his fingers and then go and like lick his fingers <laughs> and, and they get stuck to his tongue, almost like a like a frozen flagpole. Um, and then, I mean, that would just be great. Like, was it Michael Pineda had like the very obvious stuff on his neck? Yeah. Back in the day. And like, like I love that. Like, I want someone to just, like, they can't get their fingers off their t- tongue. They can't throw a pitch. <laughs> And yeah, world season, but. and I'm I'm curious. Does baseball go to something that is available for everybody? So you don't you don't take away all sticky subs. I mean, you have rosin. You've seen guys combine suntan lotion with rosin to make something a little bit more sticky. Does Major League Baseball make something available on the back of the mound so that everybody can uniformly have this? This is what you can use. But if you're caught doing anything else, you're in trouble. Yeah, that I'm curious to see what ends up happening with all of this. But uh, if nothing else, we'll we'll start to get some answers within the next week. So that that's a good thing. You can subscribe Apple Podcasts, Google Stitcher, Spotify. You can find us on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/SelbyIsGodcast. And that's all I got. What do you got? I'm gonna catch a foul ball before the end of the season. Damn it! <laughs> it's the last thing I ever do. Well, if we see you carry a glove into the press box, we'll now know. One of those huge oversized ones, too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Zach Meisel. I'm TJ Zuppi. Till the middle of this week over at Patreon. Have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you later.
Oh my god. I am never gonna financially recover from this.